It's time for another episode of Mainly Modifieds, where ground pounders and northeast speed freaks come to get their radio fix on. Let's join the Race Chaser Media crew in the studio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Mainly Modifieds, a podcast about, well, mainly modifieds, but not exclusively. Uh, We have got uh, a great show lined up. My name is Tom Baker from Race Chaser Media, and looking forward to this week because uh, Kyle Souza will be joining me in a little while, but um, we have, uh, I think, a neat feature interview. Matt Swanson is a driver that I... Uh, really believe has the opportunity to become one of the premier drivers on the NASCAR wheel and modified tour over the next two or three years. And he is in in the right equipment to do it. Um, I, I think Matt's got what it takes. And I think uh, the car he is driving is a car that for me personally is iconic. I can remember growing up in Oswego, New York and Old Blue didn't always come to Oswego in the 70s, um, so I used to read about it in uh, the Gator Racing News or Speedway Scene or, um, you know, whatever trade paper or magazine was handy uh, and read about Freddie DeSaro and I think Bugsy Stevens drove it a bit. Um, I want to say maybe one of the Bouchards at least uh, on occasion ran the car a bit. Um, but I certainly could be wrong about that. Uh, we're going back four decades after all, but, um, you know, I just remember over the years that car and I understood that that car, even then as a, as a little kid in the seventies, uh, I understood that that car was one of the top cars in modified racing at that time. And, and certainly, uh, just added to its, uh, it, it's lore over the years with some great drivers, a um, couple of drivers that I'm proud to call friends of mine. Uh, Doug Haveron and Mike McLaughlin each uh, had some time in it and got wins in it. And, um, you know, Mike, you and it's go and gosh, the list uh, just goes on and on and on. I think uh, Rowan Pennick, I want to say a couple of years ago. Uh, gosh, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to even think about uh, all the guys that were in that car. Um, and I probably missed about four or five, to be honest. Uh, holler, but don't hit. Uh, <laughs> but it's just, it's one of my favorite cars. And I, I really, families like the bowlers that have been around for so long and given so much of their lives to the sport i really really um appreciate them admire them respect them and so forth and um so this is going to be fun looking forward to uh this interview with matt that kyle was able to get over the weekend and uh he and i will talk about uh tri track we'll talk about stafford we'll talk about seaconk We'll talk a little bit, obviously, about the NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour. Um, So we've got a lot to cover here, a lot of ground to cover, a lot of things to get through. I'm going to uh, step aside here, and I want to start the show with, of course, our feature interviews. So uh, here now is Kyle Souza with Matt Swanson. Welcome back to this week's edition of Mainly Modifiers. Before we get to talking about the NASCAR Wheel of Modified Tour, the Tri-Track Series, what's coming up at Stafford this weekend, I want to welcome in Matt Swanson, this week's guest on the podcast. Matt, you've had an up-and-down couple years, man, from driving your own equipment uh, in the family and the Modifiers to driving for Bowler Racing, driving for Gary Casella uh, on certain occasions and kind of really bolstering your Modified career but let's go back uh, to when Rowan Pennick steps away while his wife has a baby. Uh, you run really well in the debut with Bowler at Thompson. Then Rowan steps away from a back injury, uh, and you kind of are thrown right into the seat uh, on a full-time basis. And it's kind of led you here today. So take me back to that moment uh, and kind of how surreal that was and how it's kind of evolved into what you've got now. Yeah, I mean, it's been a, it's been a crazy ride so far, really. Um, you know, like you said, it all started with that one, that one phone call I received the night before Thompson, um, when the three guys found out Rowan's wife was having a baby. Um, fortunately enough, they gave me the call to fill the seat and, uh, you know, I was able to prove myself and show that I, I belonged up front on the tour. Um, I was capable of running up front and we ended up finishing second to Justin Bonsignor. Um, and then from there. Uh, 
after I found out I was taking over the ride full time, um, you know, we got to go to Oswego, I think was the next race after that. And we, we had a good run there as well. I think we were in the top five or just outside the top five. Um, and then from there, I kind of had a little bit of a, a little bit of a rough patch there. We got into some trouble, a couple races in a row thereafter. Um, but thankfully the, you know, the three guys stuck with me and they didn't give up on me and they, uh, let me continue to drive their equipment. And, you know, that really just puts us to where we are today. So you've run this car now for, uh, I want to say two, at least one and a half years, but it, it almost seems to me like two and a half years. Um, even though I think it is one and a half. So, uh, you know, you haven't won yet, but you guys have been so close so many times. And I feel like I'm, uh, you know, beating a dead horse here by asking this question, but how close do you think you are to winning? I mean, do you feel like you're right there? You just need one more thing to go your way. I can remember at least a handful of times now where it felt like one different restart with five to go. You you were finally going to climb out in victory lane. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it, it, you know, it's just one of those deals where everything just has to go your way, um, especially on the modified tour. Because you're racing against the best of the best when you go to the tour, you know you're you're not just racing against the best drivers. You're racing against you know the pit crews are racing each other. Um, you know, the, like I said, the drivers are racing each other, and then you're racing against equipment. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know about the Bowler family. Um, all that stuff is built in house, and uh, you know it's not stuff that we just go out and buy. So um, we're we're pretty far behind in the technology department, you could say, but, um, you know, we make it work. We do it the same way Lenny did it when, you know, he was around and, you know, carrying that tradition along. And, you know, I think we're doing a pretty damn good job at it. Like you say, we've, we've been there so many times and been in that, that position to be able to park it in victory lane. But, you know, we could have nine things go right, but that 10th thing went wrong and, you know, it cost us that win. And, you know, it, like everyone keeps telling me, the day will come, and, you know, we're not going to quit until it does. So we're going to just keep doing what we do, and we'll get there one day. So 2020 has been a, a really eventful year, um, I guess for all the wrong reasons. Uh, with, with COVID hitting, you know, if you think back to March, it's kind of surreal to look back what what's three, four months ago now in South Boston getting postponed. Uh, and you kind of thought at the time, you know, it's a one or two race thing, you know, we'll be back on the track. Well... Fast forward, we didn't get on the track until the end of June, basically, uh, at Jennerstown, then July 4th, obviously, at White Mountain. Uh, you know, before we talk about what, what could be coming, let, let's go through those two races. And, and even before that, uh, what was this COVID shutdown like for you? I know it's frustrating for just about everybody, but were there things you, you know, Boa Racing too, and then that perspective, were there things you guys were actually happy you had a little bit of time to look at it or simply just craving to get back to work? Yeah, you know, definitely crazy to get back to work um you know having to sit at home and you know with the shelter in place and everything definitely you know it makes you realize how how much fun it made me realize at least how much fun i have working on my race cars and working with the teams that i'm able to work with and um you know i took some time off of work until um you know my family's car dealership opened back up and then uh Fortunately enough, my father allowed me to go work for him um, for a couple weeks, and then uh, we got back to it with the race cars. And um, fortunately enough, with the three guys, they kept working. Um, with Gary Casella and his guys, they kept working on the cars without me being around. So, um, you know, we weren't really too far behind. I think, if anything, um, it helped us to the point of where we could make sure we were. 100% prepared to go to the racetrack with all these race cars. Um, you know, we went to Jennerstown and we had a really strong car with the three guys. And um, unfortunately, just the race didn't play out in our favor. We missed a little bit after the pit stop. And we were running up front. We were running third and second and third the whole race up until the last 10 laps. And the car just faded and um, ultimately knocked us back. And we just had to hang on and fight for what we um, and then, uh, White Mountain last weekend, you know, the car and unfortunately ended up, uh, breaking a power steering rack 30 laps into the race running third at that point. So, um, like I was 
touching on before. It's just everything has to go your way, and it's just got you know the, the day is going to come where we have that perfect afternoon and um, put a whole whole deal together and you know end up in victory lane because we definitely show that we have the speed, but um, we're looking for that day to come. So 2020 has also brought you uh, back to the Tri Track Open Modified Series, uh, and take me through what that's been like. I mean, Larry Westgate. Uh, you know, it's kind of policing that thing for you. It's a blue number three. Uh, you know, talk us through what that situation is like. Obviously, it's not the the same car you're running on the tour, but something that's similar, I'm sure, and coming out of the same kind of shop and environment. Yeah, so the way the track track operation actually works with Larry Westgate is, um, you know, he supplies us with everything we need to be able to go to those track track races. Um, he owns the car. He owns the trailer. Um, you know, he owns an operation to where we can go racing. And um, honestly, we would not be running the tri-track races if it wasn't for Larry because, um, you know, he definitely helps us out, not only with the tri-track car, but with the tour team as well. Um, and the car that we run is actually a bowler chassis. Um, it was actually a car that's been around for longer than I've been alive, <laughs> um, is the easiest way to put it. Um, you know, Ryan Priest, uh, you know, Ted Christopher, a lot of people have driven that car that we're running the track track series with. Um, and it's housed at our shop. Um, the three guys named it themselves. Um, you know, Larry just makes it so we can take more time to make sure we, um, are keeping up with what the race cars need and keeping speed in the race cars and, allowing us to go to the racetrack and, uh, you know, learn more and get more knowledge and, uh, you know, help our tour program as well. So um, he's definitely a, a big help with us, and, uh, you know, I can't thank him enough for everything he does for us. So the Manadnock opener didn't uh, necessarily go exactly how you would have hoped, having to go to the Conti, winning the Conti, and then, you know, kind of getting up there late in the race. Uh, there was some carnage at the end. Um, but what, what's the outlook going to star? I mean, I consider star one of your home tracks, if not your home track, uh, and, and the optimism and the, the excitement about the SBM race and, and how much prestige that race around, it's got to be high from your perspective. Yeah. I mean, the SBM's always had a special place in my heart. Um, you know, even back when I was driving for Marco Turcotte, when he first gave me the shot and the opportunity to drive a modified at the age of 13, um, you know, that race has always had a special place in my heart because, you know, that's where I got my start racing modifieds. Um, you know, the Weber family, um, you know, Bob Sneaker, who has now passed away, and Bob Jr., Tim, who were actually celebrating his birthday at the SBM this year. Yeah. Um, you know, that family just has such had such a big um, part and just played so much into my racing career to where I am today that, you know, every time I get to go back to Star, I'm always excited. Um, you know, it's nice to see the old faces that I always got to see every week when we went to Star. You know, bring back the memories I had with Marco Turcotte, you know, back in 2013 and 2014. Um, so definitely excited. Hopefully we can, you know, end up two spots better than we were last year. Yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, before we let you go... You know, when I when I picked up uh, and called you here for the interview, you, you mentioned that you were over at Casella's shop trying to get a car ready uh, to run the Open 80 at Stafford this year. So what the heck is going on uh, dealing with that, too? I mean, Ronnie Williams drives that car when he can. You kind of drive it when he can't. Uh, but it seems like you're doing a lot of the work and the wrenching on that, too, to kind of prepare those cars and put yourself in a position to run in a... Uh, you know, I was talking about it off the air, but but a really competitive Open 80 series. I mean, th this is really the best of the best in modified racing. Yeah, uh, I guess the easiest work I mean, with craziness getting the cars ready over here. But, um, you know, uh, like I said, it's uh, just more seat time to get me better than ever. Thankfully, Gary Cassell is giving me the opportunity, and, you know, his whole crew with Steve Mullins, Charlie Russo, and Chris Stetson um, to be able to go to these tri -tri uh, these Open 80 races, excuse me, um, and just get more seat time. Uh, and ultimately, you know, just, you know, get better as a driver, get more laps at Stafford, and, you know, have some fun at these Open 80s. So uh, we're getting the car ready right now to go there. We're probably, you know, uh, a little bit behind, but we'll make it there and 
you know, I got I got Gary back in me, which is awesome, and you know, just really excited to be able to go. Oh, Matt's burning midnight oil, I think, this week. Um, that is definitely what it is. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be preparing uh, for a busy Stafford Saturday. Of course, those open 80s going on on Saturday, at least here for the time being, which is uh, you know good for the racing community. Uh, he's going to be at the Tri-Track Race next Saturday, the 25th, and then back at White Mountain. Matt, before we let you go, what's the outlook on the rest of this tour season? I mean, two races done so far. You know, It's hard-pressed to think you guys are going to get more than six or so at the rate this is going. Um, so what, what is the goal? Is it, is it just strictly now win? Is that really, that's all that's left on the table for 2020? I mean, that's the goal every year for me, honestly. Um, the way I always looked at it is if you go to the racetrack every week, trying the hardest you can to win and putting all the effort in that you can, uh, you know, everything else will come with it. So, um, my goal when I go to the racetrack is win and whatever it takes to win, just do your best and um, you know, that's obviously the goal. And, you know, at this point it's, it's up to Jimmy Wilson and everyone at NASCAR who's doing an awesome job to even say we have two races in so far. Um, especially with the situation with the COVID-19 up in the Northeast, it's, it's pretty tough for these guys to be able to try and find racetracks for us to be able to go to. Um, but you know, Jimmy Wilson and NASCAR, everyone down there, they're doing an awesome job. Um, you know, obviously can't thank them thank them enough and uh you know just all the series that we're running up here in the northeast doing their best to try and not coordinate dates on top of each other and you know make sure all us modified guys have a place to go race every weekend for the rest of the year as much as we can um you know it's it's a tough situation to be in right now but we're all we're all sticking together as a racing community and you know we'll be back to normal at some point so yeah, let us all hope uh, that maybe after 2020, at some point, maybe even in 2020, uh, we can get back to somewhat of a normal life at the racetrack. Matt, go back to Bernie and Midnight Oil. I uh, want to thank you for spending some time with us here on Man We Modified. It's looking forward to uh, catching up with you Saturday at Stafford, and we wish you the best of luck. Hopefully we'll be talking to you after a win here before long. I sure hope so. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you having me on. All right, that's been Matt Swanson. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a lot more uh, about that White Mountain Race scheduled for August 1st, what Matt chan- Matt's chances might be. Maybe the car will stay together for him this time, uh, and he can try to compete up there for a win and see if somebody can knock Justin Vonsier off his two-for-two two streak to start 2020. Quick break. We'll be right back around the corner here on Mainly Modifieds. Victory Custom Trailers is a new and used trailer and RV dealership specializing in motor coaches, toter homes, race trailers, stackers, and lift gates. Their number one priority is to provide the absolute best customer service and deliver the finest quality trailers and coaches with flawless fit and finish. With over 200 coaches and trailers in stock, they are sure to have what you're looking for. If you're looking for something more custom, they can assist you in designing a trailer to meet your specifications so you will not be disappointed. In fact, you can design your very own trailer right from their website. For more information, just go to the website. You can check their inventory online. It's VictoryCustomTrailers.com. That's VictoryCustomTrailers.com. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math or science person. No excuses. No problem. It's not rocket science. It's my computer career. Helping people start an IT career is their thing. If you don't absolutely love what you do, go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an information technology professional in as little as four months. Attend classes on campus or live online just two or three times a week to get what you'll need to start your new career. More than just a school, My Computer Career helps you get into the industry by working with hundreds of employers that hire their students. My Computer Career is nationally accredited and financial aid is available for those who qualify, including the GI Bill. Classes start soon, so go take the career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Welcome back to Mainly Modifieds. As we continue with this week's program, Kyle Souza joins us now. And uh, Kyle, um interview with matt swanson kind of fascinating it seems like um of course you know matt is a is a young driver and it kind of struck me during the interview that this is a driver who went from 
being kind of a a young up and coming driver running out of his own shop to driving one of the most legendary cars on the circuit and while i definitely get the feeling that he's well aware of of you know the uh, the history of that car and the legend of that car i don't get the feeling that it really phases him much to him it seems like it's just another car and i've still got to go out and you know and do what i got to do and try to win races but he, it it doesn't seem that the gravity of the opportunity that he's got is you know has really um kind of overwhelmed him or changed his approach in any way like it would some other drivers who might you know feel too much pressure or you know basically overdrive trying to uh you know because I'm in old blue and I should be winning races. And if I'm not, it's my fault. I don't get any of that out of Matt Swanson at all. Yeah. And I think Tom, the, the bigger point uh, that, that kind of steers off that and goes in the next direction uh, is, you know, he, he kind of grew up modified racing with, with not fantastic equipment. I mean, he yeah. had good cars, uh, Spafco cars, you know, he, he had decent cars. Uh, but when you say good equipment on the NASCAR wheel and modified tour, I think of LFR, I think of Doug Kobe, I think of Justin Bonsignor, right. you know, I think of Ron Silk's new equipment. Uh, and he also, not only did he take a step from driving his family into equipment that, that was, don't get me wrong, a good piece of equipment. Uh, he went up a level, I think, when he went to bowler racing. Well, of course. Uh, and he also opened into a whole new realm of modified racing. Bowler builds their own cars. Yep. They manufacture their own parts. I mean, these guys have been doing it for you know, God Decades. knows how long. <laughs> uh, and he hops right in the middle of this, and, and really he's become a, you know, a really important part of what Bowler Racing's been able to do in the last couple of years. Obviously, you know, we heard in the interview we talked about uh, Rowan Pennick. Of course, when Rowan uh, went away with his back injury, he missed Bristol. Uh, actually, I think he competed at Bristol. He was going to miss Thompson, something along those lines. I can't remember exactly how it was now. It being three years ago, I'd have to look back exactly at the timeline. But I know Swanson gets in that car at Thompson, when Penick's wife is going to have the baby, right. he finishes second, and, and it took off from there uh, with Penick shortly after they're announcing, um, you know, that he was going to be done racing. And, and now that I think of it, Tom, uh, you know, here on Manly Modifieds, might be a good idea to catch up with Rowan. Yeah, um, it would be fun. You know, coming up and see what he's doing. But Swanson yeah. in general, um, you know, not the start to 2020. He won a decent run at Jennerstown, nothing fantastic. Um, but... You know, you look at what he did at uh, White Mountain pulling off early there with a, a steering pump, power steering pump, and, a, and, you know, some other rack issues. Uh, you know, not a good start to the year, at least for his standards. Well, no, not at all. And I think more importantly, though, he's, you know, he's able to sort of deal with that in a, in a way that lets him go forward. Um, I mean, I think he understands that, you know, there's nothing much you can do. You do your best at every race and that's all you can do. And I, I feel like he's got another opportunity coming up um, next month at uh, white mountain to go back there and, you know, and run better. But th- let's face it, this is, you know, even, okay. Justin Bonsignor has been the hot dog and, you know, Kobe's running well and, you know, whoever else lots but i mean this is a lost season period it it just is you know it's kind of um you know you're going to run a few races there's really no time for anybody to perfect anything or you know you're either good or you're not you're only going to get four or five chances probably for the tour um for 2020 and that's about it so you know realistically i think you're already looking toward uh 2021 if you're matt swanson and saying look we're gonna you know do the best we can the rest of this season and then we're gonna hope we get a normal season in 2021 and and you know because um i mean that's you know that's just kind of where we're at now so uh i feel like he's certainly a driver he's still young um i feel like he's still learning certainly hasn't you know reached his level of potential yet i don't think and i think he'd agree with me on that and, you know, I think if uh, if he and the Bowler family, if, if, if that group stays together for a couple more years, that's a group that, that certainly could run for championships without a doubt if, uh, again, if they can stay together. Yeah, and I think that's the whole, uh, you know, the whole other aspect of this. We talk championship in there. You're right. I mean, it is a lost season. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you talk to people involved in it more, not only just drivers and car owners, but crew members, uh, people inside the racetrack, right. people inside NASCAR. 
Uh, I think, you know, a month ago when we were still in June, the beginning of June, and everybody kind of thought, you know, this is going to slow down, things are starting to open, you know, we'll get back to normal life here and we'll get, you know, 10 to 12 races. Uh, and I don't think we were any different maybe a month ago saying it was definitely likely you might get 8, 10, 12 races. Yeah. Um, you know, not now, obviously. We're in the middle almost, you know, actually, you know, it is the middle. So we're closing in on the end of July uh, and the next booked race is August 1st. And that, you know, that's a pretty long feat uh, from now. I mean, that's two or three weeks still. Yep. Uh, and you're going back to the exact same racetrack you were just at. And that tells me a lot about, uh, you know, what the current state of this modified tour is. It, it's not anybody's fault. Uh, you know, don't take it that way. It's definitely not anybody's fault. Well, no, exactly. Um, it, you know, it's COVID's fault. And, well, you know, I was going to say it's somebody's it. fault, but nobody in the racing right. industry. <laughs> yeah, you want to blame China? Yeah, you can blame exactly. China. That's fine. Um, you know, we've heard President Trump say about 50 bazillion times now, it's, it's no American's fault. And, and the NASCAR modified tour, the people that run it, right. the people that run on it, um, you know, you could put them right in that same thing. Right. Uh, it's nobody's fault. But unfortunately, the card that they've been dealt, um, and, you know, he's not too concerned about the slow start to 2020 because, unfortunately, uh, you know, 2020 is what it is. So uh, looking forward to, you know, catching up with him again, maybe after, you know, a strong run at White Mountain. He wasn't running bad um, before he had that power steering pump and, and uh, rack issue. I mean, he finished ninth at Jennerstown, decent run. It wasn't a fantastic run by his standards, but a good run. And then White Mountain, of course, the power steering pump. Uh, he qualifies fifth. He qualified up front. He had speed. Right. Uh, I don't know that he would have had enough speed to, to be in that top three finish mess, uh, you know, that decided the race. But overall, a strong run. And then, you know, you, you heard him say how much he enjoyed White Mountain and how much these guys love the facility. Well, I hope they did uh, because that's the next race on tour again, Tom. That's, uh, <laughs> you know, a nice track. Don't get me wrong. Very nice track in the middle of the mountains in New Hampshire. Uh, but I think it does say a lot about the tour right now that we're going back to a second track in a state that's got 50% capacity uh, for grandstands, which is more than enough uh, to, to hold the full grandstand. So it uh, kind of tells me a couple things about where this could be going. Well, I mean, I I think this is actually a positive thing. I mean, as, in as much as you can make something positive out of this, I mean, um, White Mountain is a new track to the tour. It's a track that until... Um, just here recently nobody you know there hadn't been a tour race there so you know this is a a new deal for everybody and and the fact that we can go back there again that we're in a situation to be able to go back there again and you know into to hold another race after coming off such a good race here just recently i think is a positive thing now obviously you wish you could have full grandstands and be able to go race elsewhere but um, that White Mountain feels they can run another race and make it work is a good thing, and it's a good track for them. So, you know, another race at White Mountain and another race at Jennerstown, I mean, if that's it for the tour for this year at four races, well, you know, then that's what it is. Um, it, there just aren't a lot of uh, options at this point, unfortunately. And so I don't know. I mean, I look at this as kind of a positive. I I'm anxious to see another race at White Mountain after the first one, and I can't believe that the next one's going to be any less competitive, and there'll be a few more guys that'll probably dial it in. So you may have, excuse me, half a dozen or eight cars even, you know, contending for the lead pack instead of, you know, two or three. So it'll be interesting to see how this next race goes. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. I think there's going to be guys that go back there that weren't that great the first time that are better the second time. That's uh, sure. Yeah, that's typical racing. Uh, racing, but I also think that guys like Kobe, Hirschman, and Bonsignor are going to be even better than they were the first time as well. Uh, now that they've got a full race under their belts and they know what that track does over 200 laps, I think that was the, you know, the real question mark going into a race like this is what is this track going to do? They go right. to Thompson three times a year, uh, and they know that August Thompson on a Wednesday night the track tightens up during the race, sure. uh, and they go to Seekonk in June, and they know that at night Seekonk loosens up. Uh, so they know what adjustments to make. We heard Doug Kobe, you know, as part of the post-race interview on last week's show, say they really had no dang clue uh, yeah. what that track was going to do. The line changed. I mean, it was a really a racy track. Um, and, you know, we're sitting here recording this on a Monday uh, for a drop tomorrow on a Tuesday. But uh, some of you may have caught the replay of the race that was on NBCSN um, for some reason, at 11:30 at night on a Sunday, which is bizarre. Yeah. Um. But 
you know, listening to it back, uh, listening to the PA announcer from the track, we did a pretty good job for not knowing the modified tour. Um, and watching the race back, it was really cool to see the groove widen out. Uh, guys kind of, in a sense, using it to what you would use at Seekonk. Uh, right. Some of the guys compared it to Seekonk because of the way the corners are. Some of them compared it to Manadonok, but it reminded me a lot of Seekonk because you got to get that high arc getting in the corner and cut down to the bottom and try to come up as low as you can off the bottom to the wall every straightaway. Um, so, you know, where does this bring us uh, for 2020? Brings us back to White Mountain. Uh, good facility. They're going to have fans again, which is great to see. Um, and, you know, their 50% capacity last time, you know, looked like a little bit more than 50% to me, but uh, albeit we'll take it. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned Jennerstown. Supposed to be happening on August the 22nd, but, I mean, you know, I don't see any reason why that doesn't happen. Uh, it happened the first time with no fans. This one's supposed to be with fans, and I guess that's the biggest question mark here around that event is are they going to have fans and dang i hope right. so that is such a great racetrack uh for modifieds and i think the fans in there and that pack grandstand would be uh really a, a surreal moment for modifieds after going back there from all these years away uh with no fans this fan feel could be a lot different than the first time there well i agree i agree 100 percent. And, and you know again the worst that you get is no fans again but if they can put fans in there and they and and again it depends on the capacity but if they can put if they have a hundred percent of capacity to work with you know they'll put seven or eight thousand fans in the grandstand for that race and that just obviously it just makes a whole world of difference in you know the presentation of it and the way that the race you know, comes off, um, and, and the energy the drivers feel and all of that. So yeah, it'd be a different, you know, a whole different atmosphere if they can put fans in there, but, um, it's, it's kind of good. I think this may be Kyle, the first time all year that you and I can sit here on this podcast and say, we know the next two races for the modified tour. I, I don't think we've been able to do that all season long with any surety. And this appears to be, you know, relatively um, 100% that, you know, obviously barring any weather issues or whatever, um, these next two races are going to happen, uh, albeit at tracks they've already run. Uh, and then, you know, we'll see what happens from there. I mean, there may need to be another race at Waymount <laughs> before we're done if they want to, you know, it really, again, there aren't a lot of good options at this moment, but things are fluid and continuing to change. And so who knows, you know, maybe we could sneak a race in that, a South Boston or somewhere before the year's out, you know, you might be able to get one more in. I think, you know, we've been saying six to eight races for most of the, um, most of the, the season now, or most of the year. Uh, it looks like maybe four to six is more realistic at this point. Um, and again, it is what it is. So you just have to do your best to work with what you got. Yeah. And I think that's going to bring us, uh, to, to the next schedule point. Uh, and as some of you may have seen last week, uh, that Stafford postponing uh, some of their races for 2020, kind of rescheduling. We'll get to that later in the show. Uh, but the major point, Tom, uh, concerning the NASCAR Wheel of Modified Tour is, is the cancellation of that August 7th race, yes. that Friday night race that was scheduled. Um, you know, they've postponed some of their other events, saying they might do them, uh, but they've outright canceled that Modified Tour race. And I think that was, uh, to some people, a bit of a surprise. Not quite a surprise to me. I kind of you know, envision that was coming. We talked about it here right on this show. We did, yeah. Uh, and, it, and it's a good time. You know, we were going to talk about TriTrack next, but probably a good time. We'll just talk about Stafford now um, as we transition over to them. You know, their 2020 season messed up just like everybody else's, um, but their race originally scheduled for August 7th. Uh, so uh, that tells you a little bit about how they feel about the modified tour at 25%. Uh, they're allotted 25% grandstands per the state of Connecticut guidelines. Uh, they've taken it. They've run with it. They've run one race so far. They rained out the last two weeks, which is tough uh, for a track that didn't run in the spring like they should have. Right. Um, but canceling that modified tour race eliminates Stafford. And really, you know, to me, I, I don't think Connecticut's going to get more than 25% grandstands all year, um, you know, unless something, you know, crazy happens. Right. And unfortunately, that, that really puts the Napa Fall final 150 in jeopardy, too. Uh, because the statement uh, from Stafford Motor Speedway's Mark Aru, basically, you know, I'll paraphrase, saying we couldn't come to an agreement 
on how much money we were going to pay for this race uh, with NASCAR. Therefore, we had to cancel it. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, and actually that, that full statement from President Mark Root says, unfortunately, we were unable to come up with an agreement with NASCAR to make the state of Connecticut mandate 25% capacity number work for the modified tour event. So, you know, paraphrasing uh, from somebody that, you know, obviously has, has studied the situation for a long time, the sanctioning fee was too high um, for them to bring in right. the modified tour at 25%. But, you know, and, and here's another point that, that really nails that to a coffin that that's the case. On Friday, August 7th, the night they were supposed to run the tour, they are going to run a Napa Auto Parts open modified 100. So, you know, th- there you go. It, it's even more the yeah. nails in the coffin that the sanctioning fee was way higher than they could either afford or wanted to deal with for this event. Um, and they're just going to run an open modified show. And I've said to you before, Tom, right here on this show, I think this is the future of NASCAR and Stafford. Uh, open modified races, they've got plenty of them. They're having success with them. And I would be concerned if I was NASCAR because this is really, uh, to me, step two up the ladder. And, and step three is going to be the elimination of tour races at Stafford. And, and I don't feel like, you know, I don't feel like it's too far away now that I've seen this. Well, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's a tough deal because, again, it NASCAR's, NASCAR's touring series all come with a high price. Now, I'm not bad-mouthing NASCAR. I'm not saying they don't they shouldn't have a sanction fee or whatever. They have to do what they have to do. But, you know, when you have a suitable alternative that gets you a lot of the same cars, you know, you have to wonder. Now, looking at this from a you know, the perspective of the tour, if if Stafford if Stafford starts making this work, then maybe the next track starts making something work. You know, you've got series like Tri Track out there. You know, NASCAR should be a little bit concerned with their formula right now and, you know, whether or not they can keep enough tracks interested in a, in a tour race, you know, and what the future of that is because you know, you're right. We may be seeing a time when NASCAR prices themselves out of the game with the tour, and um, that wouldn't be great for for the touring series, obviously. But if there's if there are other series that can be developed um, that don't contain that same sanction fee, um, you know, I mean, it's just it's. This this is an age now where racetracks struggle. You know, it isn't like the old days where, you know, all you had to do on a Saturday in most towns was go to the racetrack. There's so many more options now, and, and it's, a, it's a different ballgame. And, and, you know, to a track promoter, dollars have to make sense, or cents have to make dollars, I guess, if you want to look at it. And so, you know, if it, if you're going to pay a $70,000 sanction fee, you better be able to make money off that show because, honestly, you know, I don't think Track Pass is really doing the tracks a lot of good, to be honest. They're not seeing any revenue from it. Um, and, you know, I don't know that it's big enough for them to be able to say, well, we can generate you know, this many tens of thousands of dollars in new sponsor revenue because of it either. If that were the case, then maybe, you know, it would be, it would make more sense. But I'm, I, I do share your concern there, especially the track like Stafford. And then the question becomes, do we have a spring sizzler, but it's not a tour race. And does NASCAR then try to schedule a tour race on top of that race? You know, I mean, how does all that go down? Um, so yeah, there are definitely some uh definitely some things on the horizon, but Stafford's done a great job putting together those uh open modified shows and um again, you know, there are options there. So we'll just have to see where it goes, but um I do see where you're coming from there and I and I probably share those concerns. Um it's it's going to be interesting what this year the effect that that this year has on the 2021 tour season for sure. Yeah, I think it's going to have a big effect. Uh, and we've talked about it countless times, but I think, uh, you know, COVID may uh, make a couple of these tracks realize what they can and can't do with and without NASCAR. Uh, yeah. A lot of them, 
you know, not not a lot, but some of them have actually gone away from the sanctioning agreement for yeah. 2020 because of COVID. Uh, you know, well, let me dispel a rumor. It, it does cost money to be an NASCAR sanctioned track. It, it's not that. Oh, yes, it does. Absolutely. Say, yep. You know, you don't call NASCAR and say, hey, I want to be a sanctioned track. And they say, OK, you know, no problem. Thanks. Uh, you know, it, it's expensive. Uh, and I don't have the exact figure in front of me, but I believe it's if you're only going to want to run uh, based off race to race, I believe it's like fourteen hundred dollars uh, per to race be a sanctioned track for one race. Yeah. Um, and if you go for the season, it's somewhere between eighteen and twenty one or so. So, uh, you know, somewhere in that time frame, I get the exact numbers for next week's show. But it's not cheap. Uh, and this year in the middle of covid, I don't know any track that's going to want to throw over twenty thousand uh, dollars to be an NASCAR sanctioned track strictly because they don't have twenty thousand to throw away. Uh, and Stafford's had success with these open 80s. Uh, let's kind of go over their revamped schedule uh, that they've put out for the month of August. Obviously, July, uh, halfway over, they've had a couple of rainouts. As I mentioned, they are anticipating that they're going to stay at 25%, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, and they're going to run some Saturday races uh, in 2020, something we have not seen out of Stafford, but they're, they're you know always evolving to the situation. Uh, and on Saturday, August 1st, they're going to hold the second modified open 80. Uh, SK Lights and Street Stocks are going to join. Any division that is with uh, these open shows on a Saturday is not a points race. It'll be a non-point show. Uh, so, th- so that kind of, you know, gives everybody an opportunity to go out and have a little bit of fun instead of completely you know, trash their points, yeah. and trying to yeah. win a championship. So I like that. Uh, they're going to have that on August 1st. Uh, and then I mentioned Friday, August 7th, they've got that 100-lap open modified event uh, presented by Napa Auto Parts. And then a day later on Saturday, they're going to have the 7th annual SK 5K, $5,000 to win, 100 laps, uh, the annual SK 5K in attendance uh, on that Saturday afternoon. So that's going to be a good one as well. Uh, the following week, they're back to just Friday night racing with the Senators Cup for the SK. Uh, and then Friday, August 21st, again, uh, just Saturday, uh, Friday night racing, and Saturday the 22nd, they combine two big events that have been canceled earlier in the year that they're bringing back. The pro late model 81 lap race, the super late model open show is going to be on the 22nd of August, and on that same night, they're going to run the Lincoln Tech open modified 80. Uh, so you're going to get an 81 lap pro stock race for the first time in years at Stafford, and the 80 lap modified show on that Saturday, August 22nd. That's so huge. good on Stafford. Yes. Uh, you know, this is really a heck of a schedule uh, that they've been able to put together. And, Tom, don't forget, there is a very important point. Uh, starting this coming Saturday, July 18th, if the races don't get in, certain events, including this Saturday's Open 80, the August 1st Open 80, the August 7th uh, Modified 100, the SK 5K, uh, and some of their weekly Friday shows, including that Saturday Pro All-Stars, uh, Pro Late Model and Modified 80 on the 22nd of August, the rain dates are Sunday. Uh, Stafford is going to do everything possible to get these races in in 2020, and I love it. This track is so committed to their racers and their race fans that they are willing to run two, if not three days a week, if they have to, uh, to run it. And, I, you know, kudos to them, man. I can't say Well, I agree. I mean, I think in, and they're in a good position to do that. And I love Sunday rain dates. We used to have them at Oswego when I was growing up. And... I've never understood. I I realize that oftentimes on Sundays you don't get a full grandstand for whatever reason. Um, But I think from the standpoint of making sure you get the racers in, races in for the racers and the sponsors and all of that, I think Sundays are, you know, a great idea. And I think think more tracks should be intending that and not just taking the race off the schedule. You at least have to give it a try the next day to get it in. Um, but, uh, yeah, I love that schedule at Stafford. And, and again, you know, they, they've they got a, a really, really good mix of big shows for different divisions, too. The Modifieds, the SKs, you know, the uh, the Pro Stocks. I mean, you've, you've got that. You, you've got a, a, a great mix there. And so there's really, you know, there's a lot for everybody to, to go see at Stafford, and I love the fact that they're trying to run a couple of nights a week. I hope that all works out, and I hope they do get good weather throughout so that uh, they can get the, all, all that in. That's a great schedule. 
Yeah, unfortunately for Stafford, I mentioned it just a moment ago, uh, the last two Friday nights have rained out. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's really a kick in the you-know-what. Yeah. Um, when COVID, you know, I've talked to a couple of these track operators up here. COVID was kind of one thing that you, you couldn't really control. Uh, obviously, you can't control the weather either. COVID is, is a kick in the you-know-what itself. Uh, and yep. then this happens, and, and it's really a kick in the you-know-what. Yeah. Um, knowing that, you know, you've already lost uh, half your season, basically, or more in some cases at some tracks. Uh, don't forget, some of these tracks don't run up here all the way through the winter. Right. Uh, and I, I well, mean, of course when not. I say winter, right? Right. When I say winter, I really mean uh, the fall. Fall. Uh, some of them are done in August, September. Um, and Stafford's one that goes right through uh, into the beginning of October, yep. and then they're done. I, it would not surprise me, though, uh, if they end up racing uh, into October and beyond, uh, if, if the weather's going to allow them. Stafford's so committed to this uh, that I think it's definitely possible well, yeah. uh, that, would think. that they can make it work. I would think. And, uh, you know, again, um, you can't control the weather. You're right. But it's like you said, it's kind of a kick on top of a kick. You know, um, let's kick let's kick the track while they're down. We have covid. Then we have, you know, a couple weeks of rain. Um, It you know, it's just been one of those years and you just have to do the best you can to get through it. That's I feel like everybody's kind of, um, you know, Stafford's probably on offense as much as any track up there, right? But at the same time, everybody's kind of playing defense, too. It's just sort of like, let's just do the best we can to do the best we can and just get through this and hope that it all goes away in time for 2021 and we can get things back to normal and, you know, and have the kind of season that we normally have. Um, because, man, it's it's just been one thing right after another, for these racetracks and again it you know it's not just in new england it's all over i mean there are tracks down here that are racing but they're not racing with fans um you know and that's true for a lot of the country at this point i don't know how the tracks do it um but they're doing it and but even at that obviously they're not generating the kind of revenue that they really need to be so you can only do that for just so long and what suffers as we've seen you might be able to run a weekly regular show with a reduced or with no fans, but you can't. What suffers are the big races because you can't afford to pay the big purses or the big sanctioning fees or whatever. And that's what really hurts because those bigger races are in a lot of in a lot of ways for, you know, for the tracks, the biggest money makers. And so if you do well in those big races, it kind of makes up for, you know, a, a number of rainouts or whatever during your your regular season so i just you know again we just have to go week to week and see where we're at i'm hoping that that we get some sort of overall relief in time for you know some of the bigger shows that are coming up in you know august september october the big fall shows as as they say but you know it certainly isn't looking real encouraging right now in a lot of places well that's the big question mark uh what what's going to happen down the road, yeah. Uh, as this 2020 season continues, also want to mention about Stafford. You know, we, we talked about uh, you know prior to COVID starting how important these open 80s were going to be, uh, you know, for Stafford to be able to run them and run them successfully. And they've had a lot of success with them in the past. Uh, and, and the entry list for these races is, is really stout. Uh, yeah, th- these are really the best of the best modified competitors coming up at these open 80s starting this Saturday night. I mean, names like Andy Jankowiak, Chase Dowling's involved, Matt Swanson, who we talked to a little bit earlier in this episode, uh, Mike Christopher Jr., Tommy Barrett, Ronnie Silk, John McKennedy. I mean, this entry list, Tom, for these open 80s is ridiculous with the amount of talent uh, that goes into them. And that's just guys that run touring series events. Don't forget their regulars uh, and, and regulars at Stafford are not really regulars. They are, right. uh, you know, some of the top modified competitors in the region. Keith Rocco, Todd Owen, you know, Brent Gagnon, the DiMatteo brothers. I mean, these guys are, are no slouches. And, and you can't forget Ronnie Williams either, who's won the last two SK Modified Championships and won the Open 80 there once last year. I mean, this entry list is ridiculously filled with talent. Uh, and this is really, I think, going to be maybe one of the more marquee modified series uh, the whole season. There's a couple of them now. With the NASCAR Tour, Tri-Track, and, you know, it's not really a series at Stafford because they all run at the same track, but right. in another way it is um, because there's three to four races that, that bring some of the best talent. 
Yep. You there? Still there? Yeah. yeah. I you uh, all the last oh, I, I got did was I cut out at you the did. End? Three to four races bring the best talent is where um so what you'd probably need to do here, let's let's get a couple seconds of silence and then just go ahead and make that point again about you know it's it's not really a series, but in a way it is and, and go forward from there. Okay. All yeah, right. I'll give it five seconds of silence, okay. then I'll go. All right. I mean, it's not really a series uh, since they're all running at the same track, but uh, three, four races at this Open 80 format. I mean, in another way, it really is a series. Uh, They they don't really, you know, they're not crowning an open modified champion uh, in 2020, but there's so many stout names that you could put this right up there with the caliber of drivers that runs on the tri-track, on the tour. Uh, And I say it all the time, the modified tours got top-end talent. Guys like Bonson, Kobe, what, Silk. Yep. Uh, when you get 10th on back, maybe 15th on the modified tour, the talent level, at least marquee name-wise, drops off a bit. Tri-track, 35, 38 cars in attendance. There's probably 20 to 25 big names there. You get to these open 80s, if there's 30 cars, you probably got 25 big names. Uh, and that's why I love these races so much. They're so freaking entertaining uh, to watch that you just don't know what's going to happen until the last lap. Well, and see, that's the whole thing. And I, and and again, you've got a great cross section of talent that runs the different series. Um, and the SKs, the the same. Um, it is. It's it's a very deep field wherever you go. It seems like, and it's a very aggressive field. You've got a good mix of youth and and experience, and and these guys put on some great races. And like you said, it often comes down to the last lap. And I mean, you know, that's. That's all you can ask out of a short track race, and that's what you want to see at a short track race. You want to see it come down to, um, you know, the last lap. So that's um, that's that's pretty. Uh, it's a great formula. I mean, and you know, Stafford is so lucky, and and New England really is so lucky to have uh, still such a a deep pool. You know, not only in the modifieds, but in the SKs and the late models. You know, I mean, all the way through. It's it's just amazing, and and. Uh, the the fact that some of these tracks i'll make this point too uh, the fact that some of these tracks are able to still do what they're doing and and to be fighting the way they're fighting is uh i mean we should be applauding them and supporting them in every way possible because this has certainly been a trying year and it continues to be and uh it's just good to have some some racing to talk about uh here over the last couple of weeks and not just on the modified tour but you know across new england and you know i i really take my hat off to the promoters that are um you know that are trying to do this because um i know a lot of fans in the grandstand think that promoting a track is easy but um from somebody who's done it multiple times i can tell you the opposite is is the truth and there really isn't a promoter on this planet that probably gets the recognition they deserve because it's a lot of work it's a lot of hours um and you really never make everybody happy so you know it's just uh it you know your your point is well taken these series are very competitive and it's just um it's it's just been a in one way it's been a very fascinating year uh to to sort of see how the tr- different tracks and series deal with all of this but um i think in the largest way it's just been frustrating <laughs> Well, it's frustrating for everybody. It's frustrating for the tracks. It's frustrating for the teams. It's frustrating exactly. for the drivers. Yep. It's frustrating for the fans. It's frustrating for me and you. Yep. Um, and, and, I mean, to me, it's, uh, I don't know, it's a one, two, three uh, sequence where, number one, COVID hit. Number two, the, the shutdowns hit yep. after COVID hit. And then number three is the reopening. Uh, and, and some of these places just haven't reopened enough to get racetracks on the track right? Uh, and, and get them going. You know, for example, Seekonk, uh, you know, runs a Friday night program uh, as part of their uh, weekly slate. And it's a four cylinder, a Bandolero, a legend car. It's one of the, the better youth nights that New England offers. Yep. Uh, and, you know, they run it with, you know, a limited fan base on Friday night. It's right. not a ridiculous amount of fans in there, uh, but it's a decent fan base to get these kids off the ground running. And there's a lot of adult divisions as well mixed in there with four cylinders. Uh, but they couldn't even get going up until this past Friday night, and it rained for them too. So they're scheduled to go this coming Friday, the 17th, but with no fans. Massachusetts uh, will not grant the track fans yet. Uh, the track's hoping they can get fans by the beginning of August, but 
there's been no concrete, uh, you know, answer regarding fans. Uh, and, and that's a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of an issue uh, for, for a Seacock because without fans during the summer, they're, they're going to be in a dire position. Right, um, for sure. And a lot of the tracks, Tom, you you know, you, you deal with Oswego. You've dealt with a lot of these New York yep. tracks. They're in the same boat. Um, and, you know, tracks in Connecticut have got fans at 25%. To me, that's better than nothing. It's enough. Um, you know, don't forget, and everybody out there listening, whether you're involved in promotion or not, don't forget that 25% capacity is a decent amount of people. Most of these racetracks can hold thousands of people. Yeah. Uh, you know, for example, Seacon can hold over 10,000 people. They're not going to get that for a regular Saturday night race. So we're not talking about the Daytona 500. We're not talking about the, you know, Cup Series that lauded with a ridiculous amount of people. We're talking about one to two, maybe 3,000 fans in there at a time. And even that's right. kind of pushing it at some of these tracks. So, uh, you know, it brings up a lot of discussion with these states. I'm sure it's not. It's definitely, you know, look at it from the state's perspective. It's definitely not an easy, uh, you know, decision, but it's still tough for these tracks. Well, it is. It, it's very tough. And you say that, you know, 2,500 is a decent amount. For a regular show, that's true. But when you have to stack, for say, for a wheel and tour show, uh, at at seventy grand, you know, sanction fee. So you got to invest seventy grand before you open the gate. That's a you know that's a whole different nut, and that's why I said what 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 really is difficult and what is suffering in a lot of these areas, even where they're able to open and run with a reduced fan count or no fans in some cases. You know you can't have you, you can't put out big purses, you can't put out big sanction fees. So a lot of your marquee shows that fans love so much you know, are, are suffering. And that's why there are some tracks you mentioned, New York, um, you know, right now, I mean, the Swigo has yet to open. Um, Governor Cuomo up there has banned fans from racetracks until at least August 2nd. Um, you know, and, and a lot of us, you kind of look at that. He canceled the New York State Fair, which is the biggest money-making outdoor event that the state has every year. If you're going to cancel that, then you know, are you really going to get excited about, you know, letting two or three or four or 5,000 people go to a racetrack, even for a big event? Oswego is a perfect example of what we've talked about here, because that's a track that, you know, holds a number of big shows throughout the year, but the biggest is the classic on the Labor Day weekend, and then Super Dirt Week um, in October. And those two shows you know, can make up for the the shortfalls of a season if, you know, if they get good crowds and the weather doesn't interfere, whatever. Um, but it would it would be very difficult to imagine that the governor in his current mindset, it would be difficult to imagine that he would allow anything, um, you know, like that to, to take place with a full grandstand. And you could not run those shows with... A reduced capacity. I mean, unless it, I'd say you'd have to be, you know, 50% or better. And I'm not even sure 50% would work for Super Dirt Week. I mean, that's, again, it's a lot of money. So it's, it it's tough. These, these, um, these tracks. And that's why even looking at the tour schedule, I mean, I would certainly put a question mark. It is, I think it's fair at this point to put a question mark around the Oswego show. I wouldn't cancel it yet. I wouldn't count it out yet, but I certainly think it's a it's fair to put a question mark there to whether that's going to happen Labor Day weekend in Riverhead, obviously in the same boat. They're also in New York State, um, so unless something changes here in the next couple of weeks with the mindset of of those in charge in in Albany, you know, not going to happen this year for New York State, and uh, Oswego can't open without fans. It just isn't mathematically feasible for them to do that um so that's kind of where it exists and you know we'll keep everybody informed of course uh you know as 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 we go through each show each week and you know it's just been one of those years kyle i mean i don't i've never seen anything like this in my lifetime um and you know you can't really i mean we're lucky like i said earlier i think it's a good thing that we have actually two more tour shows that we're pretty darn sure are going to happen um, we can actually look ahead a little bit instead of just wondering where the next uh, show is going to be. 
Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of question uh, from, from everybody really inside the NASCAR Modified Tour community, from drivers, team owners, officials. Uh, I think Jimmy Wilson was even questioning uh, what was going to be next uh, for his yeah. Modified Tour in 2020 w- over the last couple of weeks and months. Uh, and I'm, I, I mean, I'm happy to see uh, that they're going to be back on the track at White Mountain on the 1st. Uh, you know, there's a couple of other modified races coming up in New England that we haven't talked about. Obviously, we just spoke about the Open 80s coming up at Stafford starting this Saturday night with the Bud Light 80, uh, Saturday night the 18th. The other major modified tour that's still in action, and really, Tom, I think is going to get most of their races in in 2020, uh, is the Tri-Track Series. They only run five to six races a year. Uh, you know, their original schedule had six. They, they've canceled the Claremont event that was scheduled for May. Uh, just not going to be feasible to run there. Right. But, you know, they ran last weekend at Monadnock, celebrating the 5th of July, a day later than the 4th on Independence Day. Now coming up, another one of these amazing tracks that runs 350 Supers and late models on a weekly, at least bi-weekly basis, Star Speedway uh, in New Hampshire coming up on the 25th. Uh, their third race uh, at Star, maybe maybe actually their fourth or fifth race on a Saturday. They've run some other events on Sundays, a Wednesday night show. Uh, they got going just about the same time all the other New Hampshire tracks did. I think it was about the middle of June. Uh, they got their first green flag. So they've run, you know, almost a month, if not a month now, competition. They're ready to bring in Tri-Track uh, and the annual SBM race. This is going to be, I believe, the ninth or tenth annual race. Uh, this is a, a yearly event that's one of the more marquee modified shows in New England. Uh, and two guys have won more and more times than anybody else. And, and don't let this surprise you. John McKennedy's <laughs> won it a couple times, and Matt Hirschman's won it four times. Uh, and, and that, Tom, to me, is absolutely no surprise. Well, no, no surprise at all. Um, obviously, Matt Hirschman, one of the best of the current era of modified racers. And, um, you know, John McKennedy is a driver that I feel like should be. I, I mean, really, I think they both ought to be in NASCAR right now, but John certainly has shown the versatility to be able to win in anything he gets in, whether it's a modified or a super modified or whatever it is. Um, you know, so no, no big surprise that uh, a majority of the wins uh, lately, especially, have come from those two guys. And it brings up another point uh, with this Tri-Track series. Obviously, we talked about the stout entry list that uh, Stafford offers uh, for their weekly program as part of these open 80s and their SKs, Tri-Track's got the same kind of talent. Uh, guys that come in from the tour, For sure. guys that are Tri-Track regulars, that are run with Tri-Track, guys that come in from the SK division at Stafford and run, uh, and they're running for marquee purses. I mean, over $40,000 in purse money up for grabs for this event at Star coming up on the 25th, uh, and they've got 6000 to win. It's $1,000 just to take the green flag. I mean, that's pretty good. Uh, you qualify for the race, you're guaranteed a grand, yep. even if you even if you take two laps and pull in with a power steering issue or a motor problem or a flat tire, or you just feel like watching the rest of the race. Uh, once you qualify in, it's a grand to start. Uh, and TriTrack also pays go-home cars that don't qualify uh, a fee of either $300 or $500, depending on how many there are uh, and a couple other circumstances. So uh, good on TriTrack, man. They're doing a good job getting 2020 rolling a little bit late. Uh, the point standings in 2020, that's still kind of up for question. They're not sure if they're going to do a points battle or not because of the way the point fund works. Uh, and obviously they got to pay that point fund. Uh, and that's a little bit of an issue when you don't have a ton of money right. because of COVID. Uh, so they're working on figuring out what is going to happen with the point fund. And, uh, you know, I think the, the last question here for this episode is really going to be what the heck happens between Craig Lutz and Wes Hinckley? Because when we talked about it last week, Hinkley's leading at Monadnock, coming off turn four, basically, and, and what shoves him out of the way uh, to win the race. Hinkley on the track says to him, you will pay for this. Uh, and, you know, as the promoter of the Tri-Track Series through social media, he might pay for it, and I'm going to use it to promote the race because yeah, that's exactly. what draws fans into this race. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know what Les Hinkley's going to do at Star, but there could be a rematch. I know these both guys are going to be fast. Uh, and I could definitely foresee a rematch there with a couple laps to go up front. That sounds an awful lot like Jimmy Spencer never forgets, doesn't it? Yes, yes. (laughs) 
we all saw what happened there. So, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, definitely something to watch going forward. And, again, just nice to be able to talk about all of that and, and things to come. Uh, you know, we're we're sort of plodding along the best we can here, it seems like, this season. But we're making progress, and that's good. And we're seeing cars on the racetrack putting on great shows, and that's what matters. Uh, is there anything else we need to uh, get to or uh, finish up before we head on out for this episode, Kyle? Yeah, I don't think so. I think we kind of covered, uh, you know, the, the mix of New England racing that's going on in the modified ranks. There's some other racing kind of scheduled that, uh, you know, we're not quite sure if it's going to happen. Yeah. Some pro stock races, uh, some pass races. Uh, I did just, uh, you know, I did just write the, the little press release so I can tell you uh, that the pro stock uh, race that was part of the pass act, Pro All-Star Series and American Canadian Tour at Seekonk. That was a Wednesday, July 29th event. That's been postponed, uh, you know, due to the fact that the track is just not in a position where they're going to get enough fans in there by that date Here again. Uh, to run that event yep. at a marquee level. Yep. Uh, and that has no bearing on the track getting fans for 2020 at all. Uh, you know, that's still going to happen at some point, we're confident. Uh, but at least for July 29th, it's kind of a little bit too early uh, to think that we're going to get more than 25% in it's there. A big show. Uh, but postponed, not canceled. Right. Uh, going to look at every option to get that race in at some point uh, in 2020. Granite State Pro Stock Series was up at Hudson on Sunday. Angelo Belsito winning. Uh, that one, he come close a couple times this year, finally seals the deal. Otherwise, a quiet weekend of racing in New England Motorsports. Actor canceled at Groveton uh, due to potential weather. That really never happened, but the weather guy said it was going to rain. Everybody freaked out. <laughs> then it never rains. Yeah. Uh, sounds like typical weatherman. Yep. Uh, but in general, uh, a little bit of a slow weekend in New England motorsports. Looking forward to next weekend where uh, the Open 80 is going to occur at Stafford on Saturday. Uh, you know, We'll talk to whoever wins that. And looking forward to uh, a couple modified races coming up. July 25th, the Tri-Track Series is back at Star. August 1st, uh, you've got the... Uh, NASCAR wheel modified tour at White Mountain. On that same night, there is an open 80 at Stafford, so two modified races in the same day. Uh, so a lot of interesting stuff coming up and uh, wishing these tracks well as they try to navigate 2020, uh, whether it be in Massachusetts, Connecticut, New Hampshire, Maine, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, a lot of them up here, and uh, looking forward to seeing what they come up with for ways to navigate this COVID crisis as we continue with it. It's not gone anywhere. It may have slowed slowed down in certain parts of the country. It's not going away anytime relatively soon. Uh, So everybody's kind of keeping a close eye on it to figure out where it goes next and how it might affect the race season. Because the reality is, at least for me, health and safety of family, friends, and those in the racing community is number one. Number two, I want to get to the racetrack, and I know everybody listening does as well. Absolutely, and we'll leave it there for now and look forward to next week. We want to thank all of you who listen and share this show each and every week. We really appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to being back in a week's time with the next episode of Mainly Modifieds. Until then, for Kyle Souza, I'm Tom Baker. Be safe this week and weekend, and uh, look forward to being back next week. So long. You've been listening to Mainly Modifieds, the show where ground pounders and northeast speed freaks come to get their radio fix on. The show is available on demand by searching Race Chaser Radio on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Music, and most other major podcast platforms. Visit RaceChaserMedia.com for more unique motorsports stories and radio content. And follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.